I know God wants you to enjoy the Spirit-filled life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is God's will for you. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't let this world control you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this age. Be filled with the Spirit. And Christian, I know in your circumstances today, God's will for you is to give thanks. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of a message titled, The Will of God. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. You were formerly darkness. Yes, we were. Now you are light in the Lord. That's the Christian conversion. We were darkness, now we're light. Then he says, and this is a three-point outline, verse 8. Here's the Christian life. Walk that way. You're light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now look at verse 10. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That is so parallel to Romans 12 statement. Trying to learn is the same term proving. Learning and proving it out, testing and finding out what His will is. And His will is what? Look at verse 10. Pleasing to Him. The Christian life is seeking to do that which pleases God, the will of God. And so we search for it by searching the Scriptures, and it's not like a treasure hunt in the sense that it's hidden or hard to find. It's very clear. He has revealed it to us. And so you read on in Ephesians 5 and you come to a very clear statement. Look at verse 17. So then do not be foolish. Don't be a fool. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Get a hold of it. Understand it. It would be a fool, Christian, to not know this, he says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. What is it? Well, verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. First of three clear statements in the Scripture, the will of God for you, the will of the Lord for you, is that you be Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled in God's mind is not an optional kind of thing for some super saints. It is His will for every one of His children. You say, well, what does it mean? And oftentimes we have an idea in our minds that has to do, and there's a lot of, a lot of confusion talk, uh, you know, taught and, and spoken about among Christians and even sung about at times about what spirit filled is. But he says, listen, don't let alcohol control you. Don't get drunk. That's evil. That's wicked. That's not good. It's ugly. But rather let God's Holy Spirit control you. Be filled with the Spirit. And when you are, you'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We will be worshiping Christians, just as Carl introduced the times. You know, we, we hadn't compared notes at all, and I was struck with how much of what we sang today 
fits right into what we'll be looking at. It is His will for us that we be controlled by His Spirit. That's why He gave His Spirit to every Christian. He comes in and dwells you, and the Christian life is allowing Him to call the shots, allowing Him to control your life. Now, it's an important distinction to make here. When you speak of the Scripture, uh, the Scripture contains both precepts and principles. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean this. When you're driving down the road and it says speed limit 25 miles an hour, you're in a residential zone. That's a precept. Limit. Here's what is required. It's a command. 25 miles an hour. That's a precept. Now, a principle might be a sign that says drive safely, drive carefully. You have both in the Scripture. You have direct commands that say, here's what to do. And you have principles that say, now apply this in a wise way. This, look at verse 18. He doesn't leave any guesswork here. This is a precept. Be filled with the Spirit. It is His will. Understand what my will is, that you be filled, you be controlled by my Spirit. Spirit Spirit-filled Christianity is not just for a certain few. It's for every one of His children, God's desire for us. And when we're Spirit-filled, we will be, as it goes on and describes, we will be worshiping, we will be exhorting one another, we'll be giving thanks, we'll be submitting to one another. It's a beautiful picture of Christ-like behavior. And you say, and I think it's well worth uh, commenting on, people say, how can I be Spirit-filled? We could take a long time to talk about that, but it isn't difficult. It is parallel to being Word-filled. Colossians in the same place with a similar emphasis, with similar results, written from the same prison cell by the same author, with the same exhortation, basically, Except he doesn't say, be filled with the Spirit. He says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and giving thanks for all things to God the Father. What is it to be Spirit-filled? It is to be Word-filled. It is to allow the Holy Spirit who wrote this book to control the way I think. It's to renew my mind by filling my mind with Scripture and obeying it. That's what he means when he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You can't be controlled by the Spirit without contact with him, without listening to him. And you don't just listen for odd voices out in the ether somewhere. You listen to his word. He wrote it down. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago under renewing your mind. He has given us what we could never find for ourselves. What we would never find on our own, He has given to us. That which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us, God revealed it through the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 2 goes on and says, He took spiritual thoughts, the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit, and wrote it down. He combined it with spiritual words. You want to know the will of God? Get into this book and obey this book. It is God's will for you and me that we be Spirit-filled. Secondly, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just a couple of books back. 1 Thessalonians. It is God's will that you be sanctified. 
1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God. Now, do you see it, verse 3? 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. You don't have to puzzle over it. You don't have to go listen to a seminar. You don't have to decide whether you agree with the preacher. Just look at the Bible. This is the will of God, comma, your sanctification. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty clear, right? Pretty clear. Somebody says, well, those Bible terms are so big. Sanctification, I mean, whoever hears that? You don't hear that in the evening news. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah, but I don't know what that means. Just keep reading. Read the rest of verse 3. That is, he explains, if you have a hard time with the word sanctification, he says that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Holiness of life. And the primary thing he talks about is abstaining from sexual immorality. Let the marriage bed be honored by all, he says in Hebrews 13, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now in a day that just celebrates sexual sin, God's will for us as Christians. We were darkness. Now we're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We are to be distinctly different. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to abstain from sexual immorality. Pornia is the term here. All sexual sin, fornication, premarital sex, dishonors the marriage commitment. Extramarital adultery dishonors God and the marital commitment. Pornea, pornography, homosexual sin, heterosexual sin, you name it. This is God's will that you abstain from that. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? Therefore, glorify God in your body. You've been bought with a price, he says. I'm quoting Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we need to hear that today. We really need to hear that. People that are struggling with God's will, don't struggle on this one. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Your sanctification. That is, that you keep yourself pure a holy vessel devoted to the Lord. And I, when I say that, I, I will say very quickly that God designed marriage. He designed us male and female. And the sexual union is God-given, and it is joyous, and it is pleasurable, and it honors God in its place. But the perversion and the twisting of God's good gifts that is so rampant in our culture today dishonors God and defiles men and destroys families and lives. And it's a tragedy. And we're to have no part in it. Now, having said that, this is very, very instructive. Look at verse 3, because uh, the context... I mean, this is a specific phrase, right? This is the will of God. But it's not in a vacuum. He's writing a letter to the Thessalonians. And as always, the context sheds light on the text. 
So look back, and let's just read the verses around it. Verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. What is the will of God? How do you know the will of God? Well, look at verse 1. Instruction. You received instruction from us as to how you ought to walk, as to how you ought to live, and what? Please God. In a more general sense, specifically, he says, this is the will of God. But in a more general sense, he says, all the instruction I've given you as to how you should live, as to how you should please God, that is the will of God. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you. Every command of Scripture is not just God dictating rules and regulations. The imperatives of Scripture, the commands of Scripture, are the manifestation of His will, what pleases Him, what blesses you and me as to how we should live. You know what commandments we gave you by the authority, not of Paul, not of Peter, not of the denomination says, No, by the authority of the Lord Jesus. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Don't live like the world. Don't be conformed to the world that don't even know God. And that no man, verse 6, transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Don't ever again, I don't care how long you've known the Lord, don't ever again say, I have a hard time with that word sanctification. If you can't understand these plain words, you're kidding yourself. He explains it very clearly, and he comes back and says, God didn't call us to impurity. He called us to sanctification. And don't say, well, that was true in that generation or this generation. Listen, look at verse 8. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. To be outside of God's will in this area is not to reject the church's standards. It's to reject God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. And I don't know how you could put it more solemnly. And there is nothing that will so destroy your Christian testimony, your Christian joy, your Christian life than dabbling outside God's will in this area, young people, middle-aged people old people. This is God's will for you, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Keep yourself holy and pure. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. To reject this is not to reject man's thoughts or societal standards that we've learned are old-fashioned. Oh, no. To reject this is to reject the God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. And of course, our culture is finding out it always leads to destruction. But I don't tell people 17 reasons why to stay pure. All the diseases and all the heartache and all the emotional distress and all the other things. 
because that's to reduce it down to a lateral, horizontal kind of a thing. I say what the Bible says, flee immorality. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. One of the great weaknesses in the church today, the professing church, is that there's very little distinction between the standards of this decayed culture and those who say, Lord, Lord. I'm not saying, uh, I'll leave it at that. Third, third, God's will. God's will. Turn one page over, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. God's will for you, Christian, is that you give thanks in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are you? Are you in the will of God? I'm not talking about what career you're in or whether you're planning on this or that next week. Are you in the will of God? Are you proving out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Are you giving thanks? Or are you grumbling, complaining, questioning? How come? Why is it? Why can't we have a four-bedroom house? Why can't I have a car like them? Why did I get stuck with this husband? What? It doesn't seem fair that it comes down to me this way. If you're talking like that, that is the earmark of what I call spiritual brathood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you like it, parents, when your kids say, how can I? Of course not. Grumbling is the opposite of gratitude. And it's the earmark of being out of the will of God. I don't care what you're saying and doing in other realms. If you're grumbling and complaining, if that's the habit of your life, you're not spirit-filled, which is the will of God for you, and you're not giving thanks, which is God's will for you. And mark it. The earmark of a Christian in God's will is what? Giving thanks. In everything, give thanks. Even when the health is failing. Even when you can't understand why. This is God's will for you. That in everything, you give thanks. It's the earmark of a Christian in God's will. And it's a beautiful thing. It honors God. It speaks a sermon when we give thanks when we don't understand. It says, I don't know everything. I know He does. I'm not trusting my own understanding. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart. But it's not just saying I'm doing it. It's actually doing it. When I talk to someone in a hospital bed and I hear them giving thanks, even for the illness, I am humbled. It's a sermon preached to me. It's much more than someone saying, I'm going to trust the Lord. It's doing it when they say, thank you, Lord. Even though I don't understand, thank you. Oh, the Heavenly Father delights when we give thanks. Now, uh, are you, are you giving thanks? You know, I'll, uh, 
I'll stop there. But in Peter, well, maybe we'll look at it next time because we're going to take a second look because I know some of you are saying, yeah, but there's more to the will of God than just this. Yes, there is. I just pointed out that every command of Scripture is part of it. It doesn't have to say specifically the will of God is. He said, you know the instruction we gave you as to how you ought to walk and please God, and there's much more revealed will of God. And then there are truths in the Scripture, in the revealed revelation of God, that help us determine God's will in those areas where it's not spelled out. Who should I marry? He doesn't say in here. That's a big one. Should I marry? He doesn't say for sure in here. What should I do? What? Where should we live? Should we get a job and then find a church, or should we find a church and then look for employment? You know, all those kinds of things. How do you make those decisions? There's a lot more the Scripture says, and we'll look at it next time. But... Start with the revealed will of God. Non-Christian, you're here, I guarantee you, God desires you to be saved. He desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not desiring you to perish, but to come to the knowledge of the truth. Come to Christ, be saved. Christian, I know God wants you to enjoy the Spirit-filled life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is God's will for you. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't let this world control you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this age. Be filled with the Spirit. And Christian, I know in your circumstances today, God's will for you is to give thanks. Well, Scott, not in this. Yes, in this. In everything, it says. And I'll tell you what. God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. It doesn't just happen. If you just go with the flow, chances are you'll be flowing out of the will of God because the flow in this world, and sadly sometimes even in the professing church, is to learn how to grumble. It's to learn how to question. It's to gradually get your mind filled with man's thoughts rather than God's. No, it doesn't just happen. But neither is it hard to figure out or some secret you've got to go looking for. He has revealed His will. And He says, you get yourself at His disposal. Put your life as a living sacrifice before Him and then prove out in your life the good, well-pleasing, perfect will of God. Oh, God desires us to walk in a way that pleases Him and blesses us. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Will of God, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. 
It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Is that God's will for you? Yes, it is. It's God's will for every one of His children. We urge you, brethren admonish the unruly. Did you know that? That's God's will. That we admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all men. Looks to me like he expects me to have discernment to figure out whether someone's just weak or faint-hearted or unruly. And I'm under responsibility. It's God's will that I handle them accordingly. In other words, what I'm saying is all the New Testament precepts are God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part five of the message titled, The Will of God. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 